0: Welcome to The Art Career, a space breaking barriers by letting you sit in on candid, straightforward conversations with leading art professionals in visual arts, writing, music, theater, and film. I'm your host, Emily McElreath, and I invite you to join me for inspirational conversations with icons of our generation. We dive deep into topics like self-development, career trajectories, mental health, social justice, and the artists that have changed our lives. With each episode, our mission is to empower you, expanding your journey through the arts. Join us for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. The art career is thrilled to announce its partnership with Glimpse. Glimpse Guides are a collection of luxury guidebooks with an outstanding social mission we are proud to support. Featuring the best of hotels, restaurants, activities, and itineraries for each featured city, Glimpse Guides also include recommendations and travel tips by a curated selection of tastemakers. The most exciting part of Glimpse Guides is 100% of their profits go to Give a Glimpse, which provides funding for educational travel scholarships for underserved students. What is better than that? Glimpse believe that travel is the most important form of education, and it is their mission to send as many deserving students abroad as possible. Glimpse also offers luxury trip design services with VIP perks like early check-in, room upgrades, restaurant and spa credits, welcome gifts, and more. Glimpse has quickly become our one and only travel planner. Go check them out at glimpseguides.com and tell founder Jordan Rhodes that the Art Career Podcast sent you. Texas-born and raised in Toronto, Ontario, Taha Clayton is a Brooklyn-based painter. Clayton's style and aesthetic is rooted in classical practices while his narratives juxtapose historical and futuristic illusions. He creates realistic renderings, many through portraiture, to celebrate and transcend culture and legacy. His Muslim upbringing and cultural heritage shape his work in order to address mistruths of ethnic antiquity. This clash with Western perspective is conveyed through images of empowerment rather than historically misguided portrayals of despair and strife. Whether his subjects are captured in their natural environment or composed within an imagined story, these figures embody dignity, culture, and beauty. Clayton's precise, labored, and intricate methods of realism is especially illustrated through his common use of fabric. His subjects are not only representatives, but should be seen as individuals with human stories— His work has been recently exhibited at the Wasaic Project in Wasaic, New York, the Art Renewal Center in Port Reading, New Jersey, and at Meme, the Europe Museum of Modern Art in Barcelona. Clayton's artistic journey was also documented in the award-winning 2016 documentary, Heavyweight Paint. Hi, Taha.
1: Hello, hello.
0: Taha and I are sitting... At Troutbeck in Wassaic, New York, where we met and where you currently have an exhibition up. Mm -hmm. First of all, how are you today? I'm great. Before we start talking about you and your upbringing, tell us about this show, how you got turned on to Troutbeck.
1: Well, I was connected with Troutbeck through the Wassaic Project, an artist residency I did the family residency with my two daughters and my wife last summer and have been connected since. This community tends to kind of bring you in and holds on. Yeah. And following the residency, I did a show at Wasaic Project and was able to meet more folks from out here and got put on to shout back through some of the artists that live in, uh, in Wasaic and Will Hutnick is curating the show. He asked if I would want to be a part of the show. And I I came out here prior to being asked and fell in love with Mm -hmm. Showbeck. So I was super excited to be a part of it.
0: Will was on season one of the Art Career podcast. So this is full circle.
1: Okay. I didn't know that.
0: Um, I fell in love with your work. You were on the top floor. Was it the summer show? At Wasaig, so Wasaig Project does two exhibitions a year. They have mm -hmm. their summer residency show and their winter. It was the
1: winter. It was was December to March.
0: So talk about that piece. It was on the top floor of the mill in the group show, Mm -hmm. because that kind of transitions into this show as well. Yes. Well,
1: Well, even just how that show came about, I had done the residency, and the family residency is like a two-week residency, which was in the summer. And we got along with so many folks out here that we stayed the whole summer. So the, the residency ended and we came back. We came back when school finished and spent the summer up here. And I decided to create a piece when I came back. For the, When I was with the residency, I was just kind of experimenting and just kind of connecting with the land and hiking and doing live mm-hmm. drawing and painting. But when I came back and knew I was going to be here for a few months, I decided to work on a main project. So I started that painting. When I did that piece, they invited me to partake in the show. So I did the show. Beautiful show. Um, Yes, it was the seven floors. I was on the top floor and I kind of did a little installation with fabric and grass called Soldier of Love. Yeah, that kind of brought me to this point.
0: So let's back up for a second what I love about you. And when people get turned on to your work, if they haven't already been, from a technical point of view, it's so impressive. And what's the most impressive is that you are self-taught.
1: Yeah, no formal training. Yeah, so let's talk
0: about that because you want to know what, Taha, that's not spoken about enough, right? And I think that there's such a drive for every artist to study art. And, and I, it's just not necessary all the time. So can you talk about that experience?
1: Yeah. So my upbringing, it was just more sports, athletics, me and my siblings. And I would do some work in high school. I do carpentry and painting. And those are the things I did in school. And I really liked them, but I didn't really have a connection with like the teachers or that community within my school. So I stopped doing it in high school. And once I graduated, I would just kind of doodle after work and just do things like that. And a friend of mine, he came back from like an academy, um, an art academy and uh, a college. And it was like, people were like, go see his work. And that was the first time I actually seen work that was like, oh, I've always wanted to do stuff like this. So he kind of put me on. That was
0: the, and that was after graduating from high school.
1: Yeah, this, I was like, I was like 21. So I would doodle and do things like that, but. This was where I was like seeing these paintings, these figurative paintings, and I'd never seen anyone do that. And I kind of was like, I was mentioning a couple artists. I didn't even know their names, but I was describing the work. And he's pulling books out. It was like Caravaggio was kind of the artist that I was really into. And he's handing me books and kind of that's how it kind of got started. But I remember I was talking to this class one time and the student was like, there was a few of us on a panel Mm -hmm. and everyone went to school and academies and all that stuff. And he was like, well, you didn't go to school. So what's the point of this? And we were at a at a, a yeah. college. He's like, what's the point of this? And my thing was like, the thing about school that puts you in a community with artists and like-minded people and teachers, people that you can kind of build off. Not going to school, you have to have that drive to find that community. And a lot of artists, they keep to themselves. And sometimes they're afraid to show people their work or they don't want to go to the gatherings and go do the social networking or just the network in that. So, if you are doing art going the other way and doing it on your own, yeah. you have to be responsible for studying and putting yourself in those communities to inspire yourself. So, I will say, like, I got lucky and just putting myself around a community. But so, was that
0: clear when you started that you knew you weren't going? Because that's really smart, that differentiation, right? Because yeah. that is the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Were you like, okay, I need to put myself in the way of this?
1: <laughs> no, I wasn't doing anything like that, but I just wanted to do it and I liked it. And I h- had that kind of mentality where it was like, okay, if I'm going to start something, I'm going to try and finish it. And I think it's from the athletics background of always like, okay, you're not good at shooting with your left hand, work on your left hand. What you're sports not- did you play? Football, basketball, baseball. I
0: Everything. Like,
1: yeah, everything. And so it's it's a thing where when you're young, you kind of hide from your weaknesses. But as I got older and kind of bringing in athletics into it, I kind of, it was like, you if you want to be well-rounded, you kind of got to just go at it hardcore. So in the type of work that I do, you really kind of have to have the discipline because you're doing work. And I mean, any artist, I guess you you get to a point where you're like, you might doubt, you might look at something, and go, oh man, this is garbage. I'm not good. And you might push it aside. And and I learned it's like, that's just part of the process. So you just kind of got to just keep going through, keep going through. So early on, it was just a matter of just putting the hours, just keep working and go for it. And I wasn't trying, I wasn't thinking about doing art to sell or doing art to be like an artist. It was just, just doing it. Teaching
0: yourself. Yeah,
1: just doing it. And uh, though I did try and every piece still kind of is that way where I'm like, every piece is a main piece. What do you mean a main piece? Every time I'll do a piece, it's like, okay, I want to finish it. And it's I don't really do sketches. I I, probably I didn't do too many sketches or anything like that. I would just kind of go into a piece uh, and just try and complete it. Where some people like you're practicing like figure, movement, things, and it's not all about finishing a piece. It's just about kind of like
0: But for you, it's it. about finishing. It each was piece. about, yeah.
1: It was about and I've learned that's where I'll say with the Wasaic Project, it was kind of just try some stuff. Yeah. Try. But yeah, so in that young, in that in those early days, it was just just going for it, and there was But no I think realm. also,
0: sorry to interrupt, the dedication of making yourself finish the piece too, whether or not you're totally in love with it, because of the nature of your work, it probably was a really good thing for you that you did.
1: Do yeah, that. I mean, there's that like delusion, I guess, as, you know. I mean, still a, as an adult where you think you are in a few years, you're gonna look back and be like, oh my goodness, what what was this? Yeah. So when I do look back at some of those things, I'm like, how could I have thought I could paint when, I, <laughs> when it looks like that? Yeah. But in working on things that you're not even comfortable with, it helped me kind of just yeah. keep going, keep going. So there's no fear when creating a piece. Now I say, it's just whatever it is I wanna try and do, I'll just try and do it. And I will say, I guess the finished piece me working and trying to polish a piece is still like a practice. Even though it might I might try and sell something or I might be like it's done. Each piece is just another step in the game. Just it just adds to it. So it is practice. Each piece, even if it's a complete piece, it's like it's always practice. Yeah.
0: yeah. Talk to me about subject matter in your pieces. Has it always been what it is now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's moved, but it definitely has yeah, it's, it's been been this, I, I'm hearing this a lot and when I'm hearing people's interviews or just talk about art, whether it's women or LGBTQ+, uh, like whether it's the BIPOC community, wh- whatever it is, I find we all have the same kind of goal a lot of times and it's showing work basically that represents the artist. And one of the reasons why I knew why well, I know I didn't pursue art really in, in school was mm-hmm. I never saw anybody that looked like me. And that's what I'm saying. You'll hear a lot of people say that. So when I enjoyed doing work and I would do some stuff in high school for those few years, it's not of artists that look like me. It's not of the work, the subject matter isn't people that look like me. If it is, they're like a servant or, you know, they're mm-hmm. in the corner. And that's why I would say representation matters. So when I started painting figures, Mm -hmm. and as opposed to just doing when I started kind of composing images and shooting stuff and trying to create these pieces, it was like of my siblings. It was just of people that were around me. So I always wanted to put work out that would inspire me as a kid. Like if I was that 12 year old, and when I saw, what would I like to see? I was listening to this music. I was growing up hearing about this history. I was going but I never saw any, any paintings really on the level that I was pursuing or in the direction that I wanted to pursue that inspired me in the sense of representation in it. When I started, I started painting, started painting things like battles and these battles, which I had within self or in the community and in society. And then I stopped because I started realizing it was like, if I'm putting some of these images out that might be describing a negative situation, you see it a lot in film and stuff, right? Where it's like, they're talking about something so terrible that happened in our society. These kids and people grow up and you see that and and you're not seeing yourself outside of it, you still become a victim of that imagery. So if you're talking about a, a war or somebody being incriminated or someone, you know, slavery and that, It's like the child still sees himself as the slave, in my opinion. So my thing was like, I'm going to stop talking about those things for a while. And I'm going to just focus on the dignity and just that self-respect. I'm going to put those images out. So when I come back into, and this is kind of where I'm going now and having that balance is when I'm coming in, I'm telling certain stories that might be a little bit spooky or grim or whatever. It's balanced with a large amount of, of positivity, So that's been the focus from the beginning.
0: You can really see that in this show. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, that was the goal and the, the work that I'm doing now is like trying to have kind of a full full perspective of portraiture, to storytelling, like different types of stories. Again, can, stuff could be a little bit scary or grim and stuff can be joyful and stuff could be power, empowering and just having that balance to give you a full set of emotion. And when you're looking at one piece, you're not just looking at that one piece. All the other works are kind of helping you with your interpretation of each piece. They all kind of play off each other. That's kind of. I think it's
0: really important for, and we will add installation images and just every image from this particular exhibition into our show notes for the podcast. Because I think it's only up through November. November 6th. So not everyone will get a chance to see it. However, I think it's really important to... I mean, this is so beautifully curated by Will. And this selection of works, this body of work there's a heavy narrative element. Do you agree Mm -hmm. with that? And like you said, it really encompasses this whole spectrum of emotion, right? Through these figures, through these experiences, through these colors. And I think, Speaking to what you just shared, you know, making that shift a little bit. I think the cotton pieces, which are my favorite pieces in the show, there are three, right? There's a large and two smaller. It's kind of a perfect example of what you just said, right? Because you're looking at the, I mean, just exquisitely painted. I mean, you know, everyone must see your work in person. I'm not even going to try, right? It's just so beautiful and so well done. So you're looking at this, you know, beautiful image and this beautiful frame of, you know, a piece of the cotton plant Mm -hmm. and then there's, right. So that's the first thing you're seeing and it's that experience. And then obviously Mm. there's such a heavy narrative there. So is that, does that kind of speak to, is that an example of what you were just saying?
1: Yeah. I was focusing on There's like this baggage, and of course, you know, there's this baggage that comes with cotton in America, but I look at it like it's not about the plant, like the plant didn't do anything. The plant just exists, and there's this softness and gentleness to it, but it has such a weight. And cotton is so light, but it's got this weight. So in Canada, there's Remembrance Day, Mm -hmm. where you honor the fallen soldiers, and for the month, you wear a poppy because there's this old famous poem, and it was like in Flanders Field, where poppies grow, and where all the soldiers are buried. There's all these fl- the, all these poppies, so we you wear the the poppy as remembrance.
0: In all of Canada, or just in, in Ontario? No, in in Canada. In okay. Canada,
1: it's just like you can go to a, a store or bodega and you leave a penny, take a take a pin, like a okay. And so they're just like fake flowers, but you just pin it on your yeah. And so my thing was like wanting to focus on remembrance as opposed to Mm. why when we focus on like soldiers dying in World War II or we're not, we're focusing on people giving their lives for freedoms. So my thing is wanting to focus on remembrance of people giving their lives for my freedom. So I painted those on cotton cotton on cotton. And those were the first ones I've done a lot. Like I've never painted really from life. Like I do some sketches, but those I had like real cotton plants and I drew and painted directly on raw cotton. I am here because of these things and I'm able to paint because of beings that passed and were murdered and brutalized, but I am here and I'm remembering them while I'm painting. So it's like a full circle thing. So they're more in the sense of remembrance.
0: Celebratory. Celebratory.
1: The other one, another one's called the cross because we people carry the cross the same way. They carry the cross because in their belief, Jesus died for their sins. So it's focusing on what he died for and the cross is a symbol of that. And then the other one, the larger one, is called the shield. And I was looking at it as like going into battle when the English or whatever, they'd have certain, you know, the cross and that on there their shield, where it's like the crest of uh, the people. And it's, I was playing on like Captain America, his <laughs> shield, his shield, you know? So I was like, Captain America. You're a like, essentially,
0: of... the whole show is about Captain America.
1: Yeah, it, it's, I mean,
0: no, Black that's... Panther
1: was for Wakanda. The, the, there's, there's a thing also, this is kind of off and on, but like, people will make comments like, Superman wasn't saving nobody in the hood. He was saving mm-hmm. Lois Lane, bringing totally. her back. So... That hero for the men and women that passed in this country, he or she would carry that shield, and so that's like that Captain America, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh. No, oh, I I love that. And side note, there it's shaped as a shield. Yeah, yeah I built right? it as a
1: shield. Yeah, so and I, there's yeah. it's this
0: a little bit. Yeah,
1: so it's convex, and then oval, so it's like a dome to be a shield. Like you could ro- wear it as a shield. So yes, I I basically built the, yeah. the stretcher in an oval or convex shape and then stretched it and then the walnut frame.
0: Yeah, the walnut frame is so beautiful. As someone extremely passionate about mental health, seeing a therapist is essential to my quality of life. We'd like to take this moment to announce how thrilled we are to partner with the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling anxious, depressed, or even just overwhelmed, being alone with your thoughts can be an isolating feeling. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. It's that easy. Join the two million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And just for the Art Career Podcast listeners, we will offer ten percent off their first month at BetterHelp.com/tac. That's Better B-E-T-T-E-R Help H-E-L-P dot slash. TAC thanks again to better for sponsoring the art career podcast all right Taha so you are you have this show up mm-hmm. at Troutbeck that Will Hutnick curated you're living in Brooklyn with your wife who is a writer
1: yes artist and she's an artist but she's writing
0: she's impressively writing yeah these she's days. doing well and your two daughters two daughters yeah How old is your oldest? Eight. So what has being a father made you learn about your work? How has it shifted your practice? And maybe it hasn't, right? Maybe it just is. I interviewed Lori Simmons last season, and she's like, I'm so, and this is coming from a maternal point of view, which is different. Different, But she was kind of sick of that question because her point was, it just is, it shouldn't A man can have a, you know, a million kids Mm -hmm. and no one's asking about the kids or how that affects their practice. But when a woman Mm -hmm. has a baby as an artist, it's like, tell us about how you've, you know, so I think it's important sometimes to ask men that because it's easier for a man. However, it changes the trajectory of everything. So what's that experience been for you?
1: I like that you said, or has it not? Because I can't sit here and say, this painting is because of my children or right. this. And that. But I know me as a being, I've evolved with my relationship with my wife, my with my two daughters. So I have more vision and clarity in my vision and discipline. And also, let's say it depends on if the father is actually present. Yeah, present emotionally, and right. So sometimes men don't get asked that because men are kind of maybe not connected emotionally. Where a woman naturally, this this child comes from the body, so it's dealing with pure emotion and chemicals. So me being present, there's no playtime. Where before, when I was prior to having children, it's like you can mess up for a couple months Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, I got to get myself together and. Oh, I've been wanting to do this. I mean, I, it's just, it's on 24-7. I am what my children, my two girls, they see me as, a, as their father, as a man, and what I hope they see and what I hope they see in other boys to young men when they grow up is these things. So I'm completely focused, but I, I can't say one thing about like a specific stroke or a specific t- piece, except trying to build that full-on, community legacy and just kind okay. of tradition honor
0: and give guys. them these images that you didn't have growing it, up right exactly i mean that's yeah exactly. the full circle moment yeah how long have you been married to your wife
1: it'll be 10 years in may so we're already planning our anniversary we're trying to figure that out how did you meet we met in brooklyn through a friend it was kind of just one of these like random things. It wasn't supposed to kind of happen. And then we became friends and cause there was art community and, and she'd hang. And and then we just started kind of like, kind of started talking and, and then it just kind of went and neither of us, we, we didn't want a serious relationship. We didn't want kids. And then once we got together, it started evolving. So it wasn't Neither like, one of you no, wanted kids? No.
0: Or a serious relationship? No, no. So you I, must really love each other.
1: Hey, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it, I, when I was asking her father, like, we already knew, okay, we're going to get married. And I was like, well, I'm going to ask your father. And he was like, oh, I called him on the phone. He's like, um, let me, uh, I'll get back to you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, you know, where gr- women or girls will always be like, my dad's so nice, but it's different right. from the, the guy side. But he actually wanted to save me from my like, heartbreak because when she was younger, she told her parents, I'm not Doing any of this I'm not whatever so he oh. went to speak with her and her mom to make sure but we had already known we were going to get married so yeah we've been together for a while and in New York it's kind of like a blur you can't really or it feels like it's been 20 years you know just because the time in New York happens so rapidly it's almost like dog time
0: time in New York does happen very rapidly
1: yeah
0: it's all of a sudden you know three years later
1: yeah
0: and you're walking into the same bodega same
1: thing <laughs> that's so one weird. of those things that kids definitely are like a timeline. Yeah. I have friends and family that, you know, will be like, people will be like, how old your kiddo now? Like eight? Like what? I remember just the other day because they're still living in that same, yeah. you know, you wake up, you go to the studio, go to work, you party. So it, it keeps that like forever young.
0: Is your studio outside of your place of residence
1: yeah yeah i, I have a, a studio in bushwick
0: and you live and then in, i live in crown heights okay yeah
1: yeah so um we had the two going i had the one at home and the one at the studio uh, or the one a different location but um so that when i'm home with the kids i could still do work but we shut that down like Real last best. year. it was well i had it for a while but it's like okay next yeah. next level let's let's just consolidate and keep I think them it's somewhat, important you know. well
0: some people don't need it but i think it's important and the consensus is it's nice to have a space outside of the home yeah for your practice yeah for anything really you know as a professional it's just to especially after covid and how much fucking time we spent at home that to just like have that separation especially when you have kids you know yeah
1: you lock in it's it's an office it's anything you're at home and it's like oh i'm doing work and next thing you know it you're On the computer, like, because you associate certain rooms with certain energy. So it's like, oh, the bedroom, I might like take a nap or, oh, let me do the dishes or let me this. But when you go to a studio or whatever, it's just kind of, it's it's energy is work. So you can stay focused. I can stay focused a lot longer. And that's where I would do the studio at home. I do like, because there's times where you can't get in, Mm -hmm. where you're like, I don't feel like going and doing all that, but you still want to stay productive. Sure. So I am doing drawings from home now. And that's when I I started up on these drawings. I hadn't drawn in years. And uh, there's no mess. It's not a thing. I'm I'm oil painting. So let's keep that at at the studio. And I can do some drawings and just, it's not a problem. So I am doing that still at home, but I don't have a whole studio set up at home anymore.
0: So... I like to ask this of most of our guests. Do you have any advice for young artists, young creative, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't even need to be fine art because we are expanding to other, you know, creative fields, but I just think you're such a wonderful example of self-discipline and, you know, this idea of all of a sudden seeing something at an older age, right, where you're like, I want that mm-hmm. and knowing and you did it and you are doing it. And so advice to young creatives?
1: I'd say first thing off top is community. It doesn't have to even be physical. Like you don't have to be in the, in the same space. It's like, you know, getting on like podcasts, blogs, social media, and staying on that because it stays in your mind. And i, I say that to friends that went and they used to do something and now they're like, oh, I don't this, I don't that. You just kind of got to go put yourself around that. Like in anything, if you want to be doing good, but you're surrounded with people that aren't doing anything, you're not going to do much. It goes both ways. So putting yourself around people that are pushing themselves because that's going to rub off. And then just, so whether it's music, it's visual art, whatever it is, doing that and just kind of going for it and trying to complete projects, setting goals, and work on your left hand. Putting yourself in that awkward spot, you don't have to be the best at it, but it helps you kind of have a a broader vision. So same thing with like socializing at um, openings and things. Mm -hmm. People, a lot of artists don't want to go do that. You don't have to be trying to sell all the work and do all that, but just going and learning the flow, at least that you have an understanding of kind of how things move. Putting yourself in sometimes awkward positions in the sense of your fears. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then just just keep going. And everybody's going through it. Everyone's going through it. I I sometimes think of like hearing certain famous actors talk about still having like stage fright. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets certain things. You just know that's part of it and you just work through it. That's it. Like it doesn't go away. Like I still do pieces and I'm like, oh man, this isn't good. And then you make that one stroke and you're like, okay, there it is. So you just know it doesn't last as long now. Before it might last me three months Mm because I would do something and put it away and hide from it. Now it's like, it might last like five minutes because I just, you just keep going through it. So just knowing everybody goes through these kind of feelings of doubt and insecurity and things like that. And just, that's part of the game and that lets you know you're working on stuff, you know, that is difficult. So
0: Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. And it is so important to realize that A, to put yourself, I think Cheryl Strayed said this, but put yourself in the way of beauty, right? Right, Like put yourself in front of situations that you want to be a part of, mm-hmm. right? And as an artist, that's showing up in the communities, showing up on Instagram, showing up at openings, whatever that means whatever, to you, yeah. wherever you are, right? Whatever industry you're in, I think it's, you know, this concept of community is certainly a theme on our podcast. I don't think there's anything more important than community, and for us in the art world, it's everything, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a it's a small world <laughs> and people know one another. And that's just such a important thing to remember. And what you said about so many of these famous actors still get nervous. My stepfather is a federal judge every time he tries a case. You know, he's nervous yeah. before it. And I'm nervous before every interview when you stop feeling those things, it you might be done with what you're doing, right? Like if you're painting and you're not questioning anything or improving anything, there's no growth left.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, just you maybe need to get to another chamber. Maybe you're, yeah. again, if I go back to like sports analogies, but it's like, if it's easy for you, maybe you don't have the right competition and meaning like maybe you need to push level yourself up. further. You need to go to the next level. And even just for sort of people that may, might not do art or create, but for them to kind of understand, if you go to the gym, what happens is people go to the gym and have partner, like you're doing bench press. You need that, yeah. that spotting partner, like push, push, you know, keep going. And that's the same thing as as in, in anything, right? So if I'm slacking and I'm just, oh, I'm going to chill and my buddy's going to the studio he's like, you need to get in there. Mm-hmm. Come on. Like I'm going. Then you're like, okay, forget it. I'm going to go. And it works the opposite way. It works where it's like, yeah, I'm going to totally. chill. I'm, I'm going to get into the studio. And someone's like, come on, just come for a drink yeah. too. And then you don't go. We all know how that is. So it's so, an
0: accountability buddy. You yeah. Know? Someone kind of pushed that- you yeah, in
1: that vibe and that kind of peer pressure and that. So put yourself around people that are pushing you in the right direction. And if people, if you have people in your circle that are kind of Knocking you and whatever, then maybe you limit how you interact with them and kind of letting but you gotta them know.
0: curate people out of your life. I've That's, found yeah. as I get older. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to learn that lesson, yeah. and it it's uncomfortable. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta cut those people out.
1: Yeah, or again, like some people might be where you meet up with the kids. Some people sure, might be you go sure. to the, the bar with. Yeah. Some people might be like you you're creative with. But sometimes these people, you don't want to mix the two, you know, and this isn't the right place for them, And you know, depending on the relationships you have. But sometimes put yourself around the people that inspire you and you'll start seeing what they're doing or not doing. But if you're just measuring it by your relationship, you can't tell. But when you surround yourself with other people, you're like, oh, wait, this person encourages me. That person makes fun of me every time I'm trying to do something. Okay. But if you weren't around the person encouraging, you might not even know that the person was actually making fun of you. So... Community is is key. And then, again, just stay with it. And the thing is with the arts and stuff, it's like you should be getting better on, like, your deathbed kind of thing. Like, it doesn't hit a point where you're like, okay, well, for me, I don't feel I'll get to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm... I got it. Because you learn and grow and and add something new and just constantly push yourself. And it doesn't have to be always in, like, run harder. It's It can be just like, okay, let me think about what I'm doing. Let me take some strokes off.
0: That was... um Impressive advice that I know our listeners are going to hold dear. You know, it's, it's, it's so important for younger creatives to back to community, right? right. To have places, you know, to hear peers, professionals talk mm-hmm. about their experience and how they've gotten to where they are and what's helped them. So thank you. There's no doubt that in the next five years, we're going to be seeing way more of Taha Clayton. I I respect you so much. I love your work
1: so much.
0: Thank you for being on the Art Career Podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Art Career. If you get value from this podcast, please consider helping me make more of these episodes by becoming an Art Career Premium Member at theartcareer.supercast.com. That's theartcareer.supercast, S-U-P-E-R-C-A-S-T dot com. And please don't forget to rate and review every rating counts. Thanks so much.